Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Is This Making Sense? Dialogues in the Pursuit of Balance, Wisdom, Leadership, and Everything in Between. My name's Eric Johnson. I'm here with Seth Gray. And today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Today, we're going to have our first ever guest, the first guest we've ever interviewed. So no pressure, Caleb. Yeah, so get us, get us some slack. <laughs> For Seth and I, we've never done this before, so hopefully we'll do somewhat of a good job and do Caleb justice because he's got a ton of great information to share. Caleb Panter uh, is the executive pastor at Campus Church in uh, Norcross, Georgia, and it's, it's the church that I attend, and um, he does an incredible job. And one of the things that we talked about a couple weeks ago was a personal discovery that I went on through a, a program called Unique, and Caleb was the one that led me and, and our team through it. And so I wanted us to talk more about that because I think it has been something if you listen to our podcast uh, that has you, you would hear that it is totally refocused my life and so Caleb thank you so much for being here uh, let's let's get going yeah I'm excited to be here let's go so Caleb um, first off tell me about how you came to know what even unique was yeah you know um, so I I've had this burning desire for a long time to help people figure out who God has called them to be, but I didn't have language for it, and I sure didn't have a process for it. And so it was really very – even in my early, early 20s, um, I had this abstract desire for it, probably because um, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with my life. And so I, for, I sort of felt this tension in this own um, place of really pain in trying to figure out who I was and who God was calling me to be. And I always felt like there was more, but I didn't know how to get there. And so um, when Addie and I, my wife and I moved out here in 2012 to work at Greater Atlanta Christian School, I taught a class called Intro to Life Calling. So that was my first introduction into some kind of process where we could figure out maybe and, and name some things. And it was a good process um, out of Indiana Wesleyan University and uh, was really excited to be a part of that. But in 2016... Um, I started working with um, a, one of the co-founders of Unique named Dave Rhodes, and Dave was so kind to me. He said, hey, we're working on this new process. It's really in beta form. Um, I was actually going through some life transitions trying to figure out what was next for me, and he said, I think I can help you. Let's meet um, every now and then. You'll have to work on my time because it's free, but let's meet every now and then. If you'll buy me chicken wings... I'll walk you through this process. <laughs> and so uh, we started meeting at different restaurants, and he would show me different tools, and it just sort of really um, opened my eyes to a new way of thinking. Um, and so that's how I was first introduced into it. And because I got in sort of early, uh, by no means is unique a pyramid scheme. It sounds like that sometimes. But because I got in early on it, I was fortunate to be able to get trained in it and be able to take some next steps with it. So now that I'm uh, have been with them for three or four years now. I'm a multiplying trainer, and I'm able to train other coaches and work with different, um, all kinds of leaders to figure out gospel-centered life design, yeah. So there are a bunch of different things like this, uh, the Enneagram, uh, Strength Finder, all these sorts of things. What what kind of set this one apart? Maybe Had you done anything like this before, and then what was different about Unique that made you gravitate towards it? Well, I think, you know, first of all, I— um, so this is interesting. Actually, it's a little anecdotal story. I was at Catalyst in, um, it had to have been 2017, and my buddy Daniel Klein walked up to me and was just, we were just sort of catching up, and he said, hey, what's going on? Something seems different about you. And I said, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, l let me tell you a little bit about it. And I was able to name to him, like, my life call, which is a two-word statement that comes out of Unique. I was able to name him my values. And, and he goes, I want that. 
Mm. And so I think what Unique does that's really special is that there's this um, there's this process that we go through in the journey that allows us to consider our passions, our abilities, our context. Um, and then in this directional journey of how to implement it and execute it into our life. But along the way, we're taking all the different pieces of the puzzle and being able to produce a language for them so that we have language for our lives. So we can name things, which then allows us to step into them. And so I think Unique is very special in the sense that um, what Unique, the company, is trying to do is deliver gospel-centered life design to every believer. And so I don't think a lot of us have actually thought through our life from a design function. But as we think about gospel-centered life design, thinking about Jesus and what he's allowed us to be, going back to who, who God created us to be when he was knitting us together in our mother's womb, then we have to be able to fully be able to understand what that is and gain more awareness about that which really is self-awareness, but then there's also God-awareness that's Mm -hmm. coming on at the same time, and that allows us to step more fully into who God has created us to be and to name that. And so I think the journey of Unique is really special to me personally because it helped me name some things that I didn't have language for prior to that. So uh, let me ask you this question, if you don't mind stepping back. Yeah. Everything you just said, can you share us your uh, life call, your values, because that sounds great, but I yeah. break it down a little bit more applicable. But also, how did you arrive? Was there something, anything dramatic in your life and your growing up, or or is it just it came out? Yeah, as so, you got older. Yeah, no. So 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 I'll just I'll just name mine, and then I'll um, maybe we can take a step back into that. So so my two words are um, essentially motivating, momentageous. So I exist to honor That's God. That's not a word. You're right. It's not a word. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I get that a lot. So momentageous is this idea of being courageous in the moment. So the word moment and courageous in this collision where this word momentageous comes out. And um, in 2012, I had this idea that if I could just live a life where I took each moment captive and was courageous in each moment, then all of a sudden, when I look back at my life one day, I'll think, okay. I lived in each moment. I was present and I was courageous. And so this this idea of momentageous sort of uh, resonated with me. It was something that came to me, and I felt like, okay, that's that's where I'm going to focus my energy on. And so I want to help people um, create momentum essentially by motivating them to be courageous in the moment. And so my two words are motivating, momentageous. So I exist to honor God and love others by motivating, momentageous. So here's what that does for me, Seth. Um, even today, like I'm on this podcast right now, I'm honored to be on here. I'm thankful to be on here, but I'm thinking about, so what am I going to say on this podcast? What am I going to, how, how am I going to offer value if there's any to be offered? Okay. So I'm going to try to, in my conversation with you guys, motivate you to be courageous in the moment, motivate the listeners to be courageous in the moment. I want to inspire people to look at each moment, take it captive and be courageous. And that looks like a lot of different things. Sometimes that means slowing down. Sometimes that means speeding up, but to be able to have the ability to step into each moment courageously, I think is a win for individuals, which ultimately I believe will bless the kingdom of God. And so Every space that I step into, I'm driven by those two words, motivating, momentageous. And then I also have some some values, some life core that I live by. And the first one is confident vulnerability because real invites real. So I want to be confident and transparent at the same time because that I think that really invites people into things. The second one is courageous risk because wholehearted is more, more than half the battle. 
The third one is contagious community because connection is infectious. The fourth one is creative curation because intentional design shifts generic to specific. And the fifth one is confetti explosions (laughs) because celebrations are the bomb. And so those are five values that really help me when I'm a little bit off kilter or I'm off center or I'm not just feeling it. I go back to these values and I remind myself, this is who God created me to be. This is what my purpose is. This is how I'm going to step into this room, whether I'm feeling it or not, because this is the best version of myself. So we talked, uh, we did an episode on creeds. Would you say values and creeds are interchangeable words to use as it relates to those sentences? Yeah, I think the creed probably uh, would probably resonate more with the life call. So, so I do think creed is, is a value-driven proposition. I think the creed, though, is if you can have a life call for your life, that's the creed that you live by. And you can have different ways to express those creeds that manifest in um, different actions in your life. Yeah. So I want to take a step back a little bit and, and help give this some shape because we're getting kind of in some specifics. What is unique? How does it break down? So a person starts it and gets to the end. Can you tell us briefly what that process is and what kind of the deliverables that, that a person will have at the end? Yeah. So I, I'm really thankful for that question because even in this COVID season, the company of Unique is making some pivots that I think are really going to be gracious and helpful to uh, believers. And so, as a matter of fact, um, in, in a very soon, there's a subscription program that's going to be launched that people can um, sign up for as individuals, and churches can sign up for as well to be able to start experiencing the process in different ways. But essentially, the process of Unique, the journey of Unique, has three different journeys to it. Journey one is really a um, it's a it's a identity journey. So in journey one, you're going to be naming your life call or your mission and your life core, your values for your life. And then in journey two, it's more of a directional journey. So once you have an idea of who God has called you to be and what your values are, then we're looking to be able to figure out when you're winning. So in journey two, you're going to go through some a series of exercises that are going to help you figure out your life score. So, uh, so essentially a dashboard for your life to know whether you're winning or not. And then your life steps, the strategy and how you're going to carry out every day of your life. And then looking beyond the horizon three years, you're going to be naming and confessing to God with God, even a confession of faith that says, hey, this is based on everything I know right now, based on everything that's in front of me. God, this is who I believe you want me to be. And this is how we're going to walk this out daily, 90 days, one year at a time into the next three years. And then that journey three, we don't call it journey three in Unique. We call it the 90-day launch. But the 90-day launch is really the implementation and the habit-building phase mm-hmm. so that you can actually carry out journey what you've really worked really hard to get from journey one and journey two. I love how it breaks down because, like you said, the first journey is just the full self-inventory, self-discovery. Yeah. So you kind of know what tools you have to work with. And you spend the next two journeys figuring out, okay, now that I've got these, what do I do with them? And how do I put measures in place to make sure I'm using them well? Right. It's it's really, really great. Um, Let me ask you this, because when I think about what you just said, I think about a lot of people out there that are just trying to be the best dad possible. Yeah. They're trying to go to work, mm-hmm. you know, provide for their family ultimately. And, you know, you think the phases and the journeys and the 90 day launches and you, and you kind of get lost a little bit. And it's mm-hmm. not like really your, your bag to think like that. Not a lot of people think like, I want to get better and I'm going to write things down. I'm, you know, so walk through 
you know, that kind of person that deals with that. Cause I know a lot of people that are like that. That's just not their, mm-hmm. their bag to think that that's way. Well, I think that's a great point, Seth. I, here's what I, here's what I would say to that. Cause I've had some time to think through this um, in the last three or four years. And I've just sort of embraced a new reality that I didn't really even have on my horizon four years ago. Um, when, when I went to sixth grade from fifth to sixth grade, um, I, I had um, athletics, right? And so we all get these outfits. They were terrible in the 90s. And, uh, you know, the shimmel shirts where your belly shows. It's just the worst, oh, yeah. right? So awkward. Yeah. You're going through puberty at the same exact you're, time. You're hoping that you're going through puberty. <laughs> 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 but, but here's what happens in sixth grade. When you are raw and you are in your most vulnerable state in sixth grade, right, you get a coach. The school provides you a coach. So seventh grade, we started playing tackle football in, in my little East Texas town, right? So in seventh grade, guess what you get? I didn't know how to play football. I had never played flag football. I had never done anything. I was a basketball guy. I was a soccer guy, a baseball guy. I didn't know how to play football. But in seventh grade, guess what they do? They provided me a coach. And what does that coach do? That coach told me how to put my pads on. That coach taught me awkwardly how to run a route as a tight end. That coach taught me, put me in the best position that would help the team, right? So I go through eighth grade, ninth grade to play high school basketball, college basketball. I coach collegiately every step of the journey. But then I turn 30, and all of a sudden, I'm not really in the athletics world anymore. Um, And I don't have a coach. Mm. So I had had a coach up to really 23 years old of my whole life, right? So from sixth grade and even earlier than that, I had a coach in my life, somebody trying to help me be better. And what, unfortunately, what happens to adults is, is you get to adulthood and then, and then all of a sudden, if you're not careful, you're just left out to figure it out on your own. And our only options are, and, and these are two extreme options, so I know it's not totally true, but it's no coach or you need to go to therapy and counseling, which I am a, I've been to ther- I've paid more money to therapy and counseling in my life than most people. I'm a huge <laughs> proponent of that, but there has to be some kind of interim that allows you to continue growth. And I think having a life coach, I think having a personal coach, I think having a coach is an incredible thing. And so part of what I think is the blessing of unique is even though it's overwhelming to hear about the full journey is a great coach helps it break it down into mm-hmm. one tool at a time, one mm-hmm. exercise at a time. And you're really just putting paint on the palette. And then that coach helps you figure out how you're going to paint the picture. Not prescribing it for you, but helping you really think, okay, who is it that God has created you to be? We're going to take you through this series of tools, one step at a time. This one's going to take 15 minutes. This one's going to take a week. This one's going to take 20 minutes, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, a picture starts emerging because you've had a a guide or a shepherd along the way. And I just think it's really sad in our society that most of us haven't had the privilege in our adulthood of having a coach. I listened to a podcast the other day. It was Dak Shepard interviewing Ed Helms. Uh, and Ed Helms, you know, obviously from The Hangover, from The Office, he's incredible. And he was saying he wished early in his career he had somebody else that was a little bit further than him that had done this that he yeah. could ask questions to. Why would that be different than any of, any of the rest of us? How is it that when we leave the house at 18 to go to college or, or finish college at 22, whatever it is, and you go out and all of a sudden you're done being trained? 
like you shouldn't expect your work, your, you know, your, your work life, the, the people that are your boss, whatever else to be, to continue shaping you as a human, they'll shape you as what they need you to do at work, but that you still need to be shaped as a human. So we, I think we always need somebody that's right. a little bit ahead that's pouring into us. And I also totally believe that we need to have somebody that's right behind us that yeah. we're pouring into. I, that's I think, right. I just think it's a big absence maybe in Western culture that we don't do stuff like that. I think, I think what you're saying, what I'm hearing from Caleb is that we don't know the questions to ask because the whole time we're in an environment where we're being coached. So the questions are being posed to us by someone who's ahead of us. And then we get out and we don't know the questions to ask based off of how we're feeling or there's or pride. Lust. Like you don't yeah. think you're allowed to ask questions. You should know it all right. We're Americans. We should know it all. No, that's not silly. We, we should always be open to learning more. I've often said, you know, if, if Addie and I are in this discussion about like, are we, are we doing well as parents or whatever? I have said at times, I don't really know because I've never lived this day before. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe that seems silly and trite, but it's true. Like, we've never lived the day before. So a lot of the stuff that we have the privilege of reading is someone who's gotten to the end of their life or gotten to the end of a phase of their life, and they write about the phase that they went through, and we get to glean some kind of wisdom and learn from that. But it's a whole other thing to have a coach who's pushing you and prodding you and challenging you. I mean, I, I look back on my high school and college experience, and I, I think about this at 37 years old. I cannot believe with my personality being as independent and individualistic as I can tend to be, that I actually listened to a coach when they said, hey, you're going to get there and you're going to run down there and touch that line and you're going to come back. Because at 37 years old, I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but but what I knew inherently at the time, and fortunately what I had the wisdom to deal with at the time, was that that coach knew something that I didn't know. Mm. And they were going to help me become something that I couldn't become on my own. And so a really good coach takes someone who wants something and helps them reach to a level and to an experience they could never reach on their own. Unfortunately, and I think this is a big part of why in a, as adults we don't have coaches, is most coaches that we had growing up weren't very good. Mm. And so we have bad experiences with coaches, and coaching's not the issue. It's the fact that we didn't have competent coaches helping us. And so I think it is a process and a journey to be able to find a competent coach as an adult, someone you want to pattern your life after, or someone who can pull you to be the best you can be. And that's one of the things I'm really proudest of for our unique team. We have um, uh, over 100 coaches throughout the country that are trained in this process that have been given one-on-one -on -one discipleship training, spiritual formation training on helping people walk through this journey. And so there's a coach for everybody out there, and I'm excited to be part of that network. That's really great. I want to I want to go back a little bit and touch on a couple of things you said, the kind of the gospel-centered uh, approach. And then also I want to talk first, first question is uh, self-awareness, and God awareness. And, you, and, and in the, one of the exercises you do, like if you're totally self-aware, but you're not God aware, you're this, but if you're totally God aware, you're not self-aware. Well, walk us through that. Yeah. So, so one of the, the foundational truths that we put the whole unique journey, um, or that we really start the whole unique journey is, is this idea that the unique journey, the, the gospel centered life design process is rooted in two forms of awareness, God awareness and self-awareness. And we use this matrix, and so let's see if I can do it off the top of my head. In in if we have high God awareness and high self awareness, that's in the top right quadrant. And in the top right quadrant, you have this ability to be exactly who God has called you to be in partnership with God. And so, 
it's it's one thing to be God aware. It's a whole other thing to be self aware in addition to that, so that we can be who God wants us to be and partner with Him. We see in the story of Genesis and the story of creation that God wanted us to be in partnership with Him. Oftentimes, we don't even acknowledge that truth, but God wants us to be in partnership with Him. So being able to be aware of where God is moving in the world and to be able to partner with Him is a huge piece of the unique journey. What happens a lot of times is is people have um, high God awareness. If you're moving to the left quad, top left quadrant, high God awareness, but low self-awareness. And so they think they're this puppet on a string. So, well, God's going to do what God's going to do, and I just have to be this puppet. And I'm not, I don't have any control. I don't have any choice in the matter. I'm defeated from the get-go. And I think that's a real dangerous place to be. In the lower left quadrant where you have low God awareness and low self-awareness, it's this idea that, hey, nothing really matters. Mm-hmm. So what, what am I supposed to do about it? It's a really depressed state uh, that we find ourselves in. I've been there before. What's the purpose? That's when usually I found myself where I don't have a high awareness of God and I sure don't have a high view of myself either. But in the bottom right quadrant where you have high self-awareness but low God awareness, that's this real um, narcissistic place to be. And so what happens is, is we end up operating out of our own knowledge and out of our own skill, but no awareness to what God is doing or where God is moving in the world. So we don't partner with him. We partner with ourselves and we only can be what we can be on our own. And so the journey of unique is to not just increase our self-awareness, but to increase our awareness of who God is and where he's moving. And I think that's a powerful um, complimentary piece. I remember... um, I was sitting in a room of pastors one of the first times I heard that lesson taught of the journey of unique is high God awareness and high self-awareness. And I was a really young minister at the time, and I didn't realize what was happening in that room. That room got quiet, and all of these veteran pastors thought, this is one of the most profound things I've ever heard in my life. And I was caught off guard by it because I didn't understand how profound it was at the time. And these, these veteran pastors just sort of their jaws dropped and they went, okay, Dave Rhodes, could you say that again? Mm-hmm. And he sort of went through the whole thing again because I think our society is geared to have, like, if you go into Barnes & Noble right now, you can find the self-help section. And it's full of great books that are going to help you be more action-oriented or help you grow. But I don't think you're going to grow to the potential that you're going to grow to if there's not a God awareness attached mm-hmm. to it. Really That's, powerful. So Unique is filled with... Just exercises like that. I want to. I want to highlight two more. Uh, the life drifts. The life drifts for me was really, really eye opening, and it's all based in uh, the temptations of Jesus. Can yeah. you share kind of that? Yeah, you know. So, so the real crux of that lesson, in a nutshell, is this: is that in in the temptations of Jesus, we see that he was tempted by, and this all came. So, just to be fair, this this whole kind of lesson really came out of a three um, DM kind of language. It's a discipleship movement. Mike Breen. Mike Breen, uh, Dave Rhodes, and others were part of that team when that was coming together. And so we moved that information into some of the unique journey just because of the nature of how powerful it is when we're thinking about um, who God has called us to be and really how tempted we are to stray from that. Mm-hmm. And so in the Jesus' temptation, you see him face three different temptations. And essentially, they get boiled down to our language and unique of temptations of appetite, um, temptations of ambition, and temptations of approval. And what's prob- what's primarily true about most of us in our lives is that we have one presenting temptation. Like for me, um, a presenting temptation in different chapters of my story has been one of approval. Um, 
I I absolutely have made really poor decisions out of uh, needing to feel approved of mm. or needing to be affirmed. And so I'll go to great lengths if I'm not careful, if I'm not centered in on who God is and who I am in Christ, I'll go to great lengths to um, seek affirmation and approval in places that I should never go to. That leaves me really uh, distraught or frustrated. And so what happens often for people is there's one presenting primary kind of drift. And then what happens again is if that if that presenting or primary drift isn't getting met and we don't take it to the cross, then there's usually a secondary drift. And so, again, I'll be vulnerable here. My, my presenting drift usually is approval. Um, that's not all bad. It just it can be really bad. But if my approval thing isn't being met, I can go to ambition really quickly to try to be more approved of, or I can go to appetite. And so my weight fluctuates a whole lot. And if I look back and I'm being honest with um, some of my weight issues, uh, being a big guy like I am, a lot of that has to do with when I'm when I'm not feeling approved of. And so I go to food or I go to other things mm-hmm. to just really fill that hole that mm-hmm. I'm feeling. And so for me to now have language to that, to be able to go, okay, typically when I'm not healthy and I'm not feeling the approval from from people – I, I I tend to drift to appetite or ambition, and so I need to keep those in check. And so the real the real challenge there is to be able to identify what those drifts are, and be able to as quickly as possible move to the cross mm. and the truth of the cross, rather than to the secondary drift where we find ourselves getting in trouble. Right. And so again, unique helped me name that. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. I think I'm having some approval issues. All right. Where do I want to go? Do I want to go to food for that? Or do I want to go to the cross from that? You know? Amen. And so I think it's a really good to have language around that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's appetite is generally my number one. And it's not food. It's it's buying something or some some sort of thing that's going to fill this need of right. generally right now it's boredom because COVID, you know, or, or, or stress with kids. So I'm, what is that drift that's happening right now? And how can I more quickly bring it to Jesus instead of trying to fulfill it with something that is not going to fulfill it right. to try to get that living water instead. Uh, and then the last one I want to talk about, and Seth, I want to, I want to get your thoughts on this. So in our, our last podcast or a couple podcasts ago, whenever we did the one with where we, I shared my story about my unique journey, mm-hmm. I shared one of the exercises is when you text uh, 12 people, uh, you know, a phrase, something like, something like, um, and use three words to tell me what you believe I'm most passionate about and how that was so eye opening for me. And since then, I've had a, a few people text me back that they have done it. And, and it's been really it had some really great conversations. It's been really, really cool to see that people are starting to look, uh, look in at themselves and try to figure out what it is that they're made for and maybe how they're off path right now. Seth, you did it. I want to hear mm. what, 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 what has been like for you. So I did it a few days ago and I love doing it because it was so encouraging. I mean, uh, you know, so I text uh, a little over 12 people, uh, text uh, some family members, coworkers and friends. And it was so encouraging to see the words that they were coming back at. Um, I'm very um, uh, I, I really want to be self-aware all the time. I, I want to make sure that I am not uh, being too obnoxious. I, it's just uh, it can be a. Um, thing in which maybe I'm trying to seek too much approval from sure. people, but I love being self-aware. So I loved doing this exercise and it was really great because I wanted to make sure how I view myself or 
how well I view myself because I have a great view of myself uh, matched up with what people saw in me. So it was it was a, it was a great experience to to do. And um, so I've got all these words. Now I got to figure out what to do with them. Uh, but the words that kept on reoccurring uh, were faith, family, uh, integrity, excellence. Uh, sports actually was pretty pretty mm-hmm. interesting that came back up. I was not expecting sports, and then growth. Uh, those were the core words that kept on coming back up. Faith, family were definitely the number one, number two, um, and then the third word was is interchangeable from growth, integrity, excellence, or sports. Yeah. So th- so just to add some context to that, yeah. Seth. So that exercise is done in Journey One. Okay. And in journey one, we're talking about our sweet spot. So we're ta- we're trying to reduce um, all of our passions, our abilities, and our context into a two word statement. Again, mine's motivating, momentageous. And so essentially, we're taking that one tool and those words that come from that tool and putting them in a funnel. Or um, I like to use the analogy. You know, Bob Ross, the painter. He's before he ever gets a chance to paint and talk about the little brown squirrel. Right? He's got to build a palette of colors. And so what we're doing is we're taking those words and we're putting them on a palette so that you then can take those and paint with them and create the picture of your life. And so that that exercise is in journey one and it's in the passion circle. And so we're trying to be able to glean from others who know us well in different settings. We're trying to get some feedback from them through that exercise to figure out, okay, what is it that others see in me? through my life that they believe that I'm passionate about. And so you take those words and you really put them in a big word bank to then start combining them with all the other exercises that we do to then start naming your life core and your life call. So I would just say this to anybody listening right now, do that exercise. If that's phase, yeah. if that's phase one, and you're thinking about this, and you're, you're not, you've never heard anything about unique. Go ahead and do that because um, it'll be the it'll be a great step for you to say, do I really want to pursue this and, and know more about who I am? Did you get any words, Seth, that surprised you? Sports was surprising. Uh, soccer specifically came up. Sports uh, in general, um, and it, it was one of those things where I thought, well, yeah, I love. I love Atlanta United. I love to watch sports, but I don't know if it's really core to who I am. Uh, one thing I've always said is that I don't want to coach my kids because, um, and people are like, oh, you should coach your boys in soccer. You should coach girls in soccer or whatever. And I've always thought, no, that's not what I want to do because I'm already getting on to them at home. I'm already coaching them at home. I don't mm-hmm. want to continue to coach them on the field or something that they want to enjoy. Um, so I don't know where to, that fits in just yet. But I do know this. Um, I'm good at family and I'm good at work mm. and faith. Yeah. Other than that, if it doesn't fall in that paradigm, I mean, I'm all in at work. I, I'm all in at working. I'm all in at family. And when I've said yes to things that don't really, that actually conflict with that, I do a poor job with with whatever I'm volunteering for. Yeah. So the, so the beauty of the whole unique journey is that's that is just one of the many tools that are used in journey one to really bring out language to be able to name the thing that you were just saying is what is it that is my sweet spot, right? So um, when I'm at my best, I find myself motivating people to take risks in their lives. And I don't know exactly where that comes from. I can point back to different things in my childhood and different parts of my story, different things that people have seen in me throughout life, different opportunities that I didn't create on my own, but I have the opportunity to experience um, different mentors and people in my life that have challenged me to be uh, more bold, 
As a matter of fact, my name, one of the exercises we do is the power of a name. And so my full name is Caleb Thomas Panter. Caleb means bold, wholehearted. Thomas means one who wrestles with God. And Panter actually means the keeper of the pantry. Uh, So provider of sustenance for a large amount of people. So when you put my whole name together, I'm a bold, wholehearted guy who wrestles with God, who provides sustenance for a large amount of people, right? So all of these exercises sort of set combine, and then all of a sudden you start seeing this picture emerge of who God has called you to be, and then you're able to name that. Yeah. So so let me ask you this question. Do uh, the things that come out of Unique and the discovery, do you think it is... This is the only phrase I can think of. Is nature or is it nurture with discovering your personality, discovering these things? I think it's awareness. I think it's I think it's both. I think it has the ability to be. I think absolutely we are hardwired in some ways. And then I think there are experiences in our lives. I mean, when you look back at different experiences in your chapters of your story, that's one of the first things we do is we start naming your chapters, naming high points and hard times, Mm -hmm. um, different people along the way that influenced you. There's this life discovery grid exercise that we do early in journey one that forces us to name our chapters. So I think that there are a lot of things that happen, whether they're um, traumatic or whether they're... um, impactful or whatever, they they do shape us in certain ways. I can point back to lots of different things in my life that have shaped me to become who I am currently or who I want to be currently. And then there are a lot of things I can point back to to say, I don't know where that came from, but that has been part of who I have been my whole journey. And so, um, you know, even, even that going back to my name, Caleb Bold, wholehearted, like, I don't know. I think my parents were very intentional. I have Three younger brothers, they're all Bible names. My parents were very intentional about our names. But I don't know that they knew exactly that I was going to be a big guy who sort of uh, can take over a room, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, is yet to be determined. But I can do that in a bold, wholehearted way. And so I think that I've lived into my name without even knowing it at times. But I think early on in my life, I realized, I think I have a name for a reason. I'm going to step into who that is. What what are... um misconceptions that people have about all this? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) I think there's a misconception. It's going to sound sort of crass, but that it's voodoo. You know, I mean, there's nothing there. Here's the deal. In every kind of journey and every kind of process, there are exercises and tools that resonate more with people or not. That's just a reality. There were certain exercises, going back to that bad analogy or that bad picture of seventh grade football, like there there are some exercises that I really liked and there are some drills that coaches had me do that I didn't really like, that didn't really help me that much. But it was part of the formation process. And so I think one of the real um, big misconceptions about um, any kind of uh, coaching or any kind of uh, process that someone could go to is that, well... It's all about you. You should focus on you. You should be self-absorbed. And what's going to happen on the other side of this is I'm going to just be able to know myself better and be a better version of myself and see what happens. And I think the beauty of the unique process for me and what I've experienced in it is that simultaneous to learning more about who God has created me to be, I've learned more about God. And so what I'm now more aware of than I've ever been in my whole life, I was actually thinking about this on the drive-in this morning, is I was thinking... I am, I have not arrived, but I now have this, um, this new skill 
to be able to pause when I think God is up to something and to be able to take inventory and be able to be invited into what he's up to and then being also challenged on the other side to partner with him. I don't know that I've always had the ability to stop and really look around through people, through experiences and go, oh, this is what God is up to. Or this is my best attempt to to think about what God is up to. What am I going to do as a response to that? Yeah, right? it takes a lot of maturity. Well, I don't know if I don't know if I've experienced any form of maturity, but I do <laughs> think that part of I think you're right is it takes this awareness piece that God is present in the world. I mean, Dusty, our our, our teaching preacher here, he always talks about this. He talks about in just because there's suffering doesn't mean that God isn't present. As a matter of fact, in the midst of our suffering is where we find God. And mm. so I would also just just add on to that and say, in the midst of where we are is God. Now, whether or not, and I think this is interesting, we have eyes to see him or ears to hear him is a whole different ballgame. And I think most of my life, I've had eyes to see the things I want to see and ears to hear the things I want to hear, but not the things that God has wanted me to see and wanted me to hear. And so the unique journey, that high God awareness and high self-awareness complementing each other, not putting myself over God, but actually becoming who God always intended me to be and created me to be, has helped me mature, if you want to use that word, into the person that I am today, who still has a long way to go, a lot of growth to have, but I'm more aware than I've ever been that God is present in the world. I love it. I love it. As we start to wrap up, I have just two two more questions. You've we've we've have, have a lot of questions in my list, but you've kind of answered a lot of them already. Uh, and then Seth, if you have anything else, for sure share it. Um, um, I guess first one is, uh, and you've touched on this, but I want to give you the chance to speak more clearly on it. But what brings you the most joy out of all this? Out of uh, having gone through it and then now coaching it, what brings you the most joy? Yeah, man. So, so again, going back to my life call, my life call is to motivate people or, or to create, create momentum by motivating people to be courageous in the moment. And so um, there are some really incredible – I'll just say it this way. It is a great privilege to be trusted to coach someone. And so I don't take that lightly. And so even Eric, you and I have talked about different things. When I'm when I'm walking you through an exercise, it's a privilege for me because it's a moment in time that someone is digging in and that they're letting me into their moment. And my role in that, because of who God has created me, is just to motivate them to go deeper and deeper and to be more courageous so that they can find out more about themselves. And so for me, I think the biggest part of the journey and the the biggest privilege of the journey as a coach is to be able to step into that that intimate moment with someone mm-hmm. and then to be able to um, nudge them or, or shift them a little bit in ways to open their thinking so that they can then find out more about who God has created them to be. That's a great privilege for me. And then I want I want you you touched on it earlier with the subscription, but I, if people are listening to this and thinking, man, this yeah. sounds really great. I, I think I want to do this. How could they get involved? Yeah, thanks for saying that. I mean, uh, so I, I feel like I'm pitching this thing that uh, some snake oil here, and I know that that's not true. So it's not my nature in to sell things that, that I'm passionate about. But when I'm passionate for someone else, it's easy for me to sell it. Yeah. And I'm so passionate about the team that, that Unique has. Um, we have sort of three people, Will Mancini, who works with Oxano and church leadership and church consulting and really one of the best toolmakers in the discipleship uh, area in the world. 
Um, Dave Rhodes, the co-founder with Will, who brought in 3DM stuff and his own stuff from Wayfair. He's such a great visionary and a great prophetic voice and a great teacher. And then Kelly Conwisher, um, who's our CEO, they do it. She brings incredible executive experience in her own spiritual formation experience in her own right. I mean, unbelievable leaders who I'm so proud to tout and to be able to um, share with you. So uh, the best way to get involved is go to go to the website, go to www.lifeunique. So L-I-F-E-Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E dot com. Um, there's some really cool things that are being rolled out, as I alluded to earlier, with an individual subscription program. So for about $15 a month, an individual can go through and get access to so many of the tools so they can walk them out in 15-minute increments, 30-minute increments, daily increments to be able to get more clarity for their lives. And also um, on lifeunique.com, you're going to find out ways to connect with the bigger journey of Unique and, and find ways to get connected to a coach that could help you walk through the journey as well. So lifeunique.com is the best way to get involved and get plugged in. And just a disclaimer, anybody who's thinking about it, to do this right, it's a lot of work. Yeah, It's absolutely. a lot of work. Yeah. But it's totally worth it. Yeah. Anything is a lot of work if you're, if you're willing, if your desire is to grow, you know? So my last question is this, is what do you see, what's the biggest difference you see out of people after they've journeyed through this? Well, I'll speak to my own experience. Um, being a guy who has really, and I still struggle with this, um, really been tempted by the, um, the temptation of approval. I, I think the biggest win for this is, I think it's twofold. I think it's one, to be able to name who God has called me to be in a way that resonates with my soul. And to be able to do that, what what that does for me personally is it allows me to step into spaces that I might normally be insecure and to step wholehearted into those spaces, knowing that I don't have to be anything other than that. And so for me, one of the biggest... um, one of the biggest wins for the journey is that I'm able to now step into a lot of spaces again that I would have been insecure in prior to this journey, but now I have language for who I am and for who God has called me to be, and I'm able to step into that wholehearted. The second win for people is to really know if they're winning or not. So in journey two, we talk about your life score, and so we're essentially taking you from um, domain kind of thinking in your life to, to story thinking of your life. And so we create these storylines for you. So I have four storylines, health, love, work, and play essentially are the, the generic versions, but I have a bold believer, contagious connector, diverse dreamer, and eclectic explorer storylines. So four storylines in my life. And what I end up doing is, is identifying different roles that I want to play in each of those storylines and then having action steps um, that help me step into those roles. And so for the biggest win for the journey that I've seen in other people is for them to be able to actually know if they're winning in life based on who God has called them to be, to have some kind of scoreboard to be able to assess where God is and how they're stepping into who he wants them to be. I love that because the world has scoreboards. Absolutely. The world has scoreboards. And man... You'll always lose. Yes. You will always time. lose when you're looking at those scoreboards the every world time. sets up. And unfortunately, most of the world's scoreboards are very generic. And so in the, in the process of unique, we take those generic domains and we we shift them into specificity that, that just collides with who you are and helps you be more present in what God is doing in the world. So I just wanted to share again, um, 
what my my life call came out of of this after all the work that uh, Caleb you helped me do and Sandy helped me well, a lot. Sandy on this was well. a big part of that too. Yeah, right. But my I, I, Eric Johnson exists to leverage my influence to encourage others in their journey to intentional living, mm. and I just want to say thank you because. Mm. Uh, well, without you, it wouldn't have happened without you and unique. It wouldn't have happened. And I, I just, I, I've told you this a few times, but I think you have obviously found your sweet spot and I've gotten to watch you in your sweet spot. Cause I think it is you, at least one of your sweet spots is you leading. No, this is your sweet spot. You're when you lead unique, you're, you're motivating momentageous. You're doing it. And it's like, where was like 12 of us in the room and this can be a deeply personal uh, journey. Mm-hmm. And so people are coming at you with these questions and I'm thinking, <laughs> man, I'm so glad I'm not up there trying to lead this because they're asking this question. I would have no idea the answer. And you just so calmly and confidently will either give a good answer or give up. Well, I'm not really sure on that. Let's talk more about it. But it's always, I, I'm just, I was very, very impressed mm. uh, with the way in which you lead this. Uh, because I, I think I, I'm, I'm always watching the way people communicate and I have a high value on communication. I'm pretty judgmental on the way some people communicate. I was just blown away the way, by the way you do it. And I've told you this a handful of times that, um, I really admire you. And Mm so, uh, we went a little long on this, but I I think that, I think if people stuck with it, it's going to be really, really good for them. Cause I, again, I'm always just so impressed in the way that you have control over your language, that you've done the work over your language. And I think, I think you, uh, you communicate very, very clearly. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Yeah. It's been an honor to be with you guys this morning. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for, for being here. Uh, first ever interview. I think it went well, went really well. And, uh, thanks so much for listening and we hope this made some sense.